0: Do you know that we have a free Childhood Cancer Facebook community and a free mental health professionals network group? Make sure to join through the links in the summary. If you haven't taken our PTSD after cancer quiz, make sure to check out the links below. Get added to our list to receive free resources to help you heal from the impact of childhood cancer. Be the first to know when we will offer EMDR intensives and support groups for teens, parents, and adult survivors of childhood cancer. Hi, and welcome to today's episode. Before we jump right in, I wanted to just quickly come in and say, hi, I'm Adriana. And if you could, please hit subscribe to this podcast if you have listened to my other ones and you've enjoyed some of the resources that I put out there. And if you could also kindly rate this podcast, I would love a five-star review, but you know, you rate it as you feel I have earned. So if you could, please, Subscribe and submit a review and share this with anyone that you feel would benefit from Family Chemotherapy Podcast. Thank you so much. Welcome to Family Chemotherapy, where we discuss ways to cope through a pediatric cancer diagnosis. I'm your host, Adriana Lewin. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Family Chemotherapy. I am excited to bring on a guest. Her name is Dr. Kristen Ross. And I came across her actually through a uh, Facebook community uh, of other therapists locally. And she happened to post on um, in the group that basically she works specifically, well, not specifically, but she loves to work with the population of childhood cancer community, basically the kids, parents, and and whatnot. So I knew immediately I had to connect with you, Kristen. I'm so excited to have you as a guest today. Welcome. Hi, thanks. i
1: excited to be here.
0: I'm excited for you to be here too. I would love for you to just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be involved in the childhood cancer community. Yeah, sure. So um, I
2: guess I came to be involved because I experienced childhood cancer myself. And so I really felt a need to have supports for families. Uh, I mean, this was in the 90s. A lot of it still looks exactly the same, right? There's not a whole lot of mental health support for the family system as a whole and its different subsystems. And so it's just really lacking. And so my passion was to be able to uh, provide that. So that's where my desire to join this, the field in general, and then medical family therapy field.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about your diagnosis? Sure. Yeah. Uh, What do you want me to share? Just tell us what you want to tell us about, like what you were diagnosed with, how old you were, just kind of what you feel like you want to share yeah so
2: uh I had um ALL, so that's uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia um and I had that in I got diagnosed in ninety three I was two so pretty young um experienced chemo for four years um and so that was a very fun. <laughs> But journey, uh, journey um, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was really interesting because we ended up having to stay put. My dad was in the military and so we stayed put. And so um, once I was done with chemo, like, we got to leave and, and go to different bases. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the cancer experience. Um, I had some other health conditions that kind of followed um, throughout um, my life,
1: more than likely due to like chemo treatments and other things.
0: So when you were diagnosed, you were two, do you, you said you went on for four years. So do you even remember any of it at all? Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, there's definitely parts that I remember, um, even as young as like, you know, the beginning parts of it, right. There are some traumatic kind of things that I do remember, um, But I think most of what I remember is towards like the latter part of treatment, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, getting my blood drawn and um,
1: spinal taps, things like that is a lot of what I remember. Um, I think my favorite memory can you have a favorite
2: memory? Of my kids? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite memories is like, I remember it was a time for a blood draw. And I was like, I got this mom. <laughs> I just put the and went by myself. Uh, so just,
0: that is so precious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all know, you know, especially caregivers, we all know what that's like to have a child have to go through lab draws. And, mm-hmm. um, I would say probably the majority of them approach that with quite a bit of anxiety and fear and so there's mm-hmm. a lot of like support that's needed and I know for my child at the very beginning my gosh child life specialists were such a blessing because even as a therapist like you don't know mm-hmm. how to approach these situations you're not really trained for this right like how do you in the moment support someone through a lab draw like that's just not yeah. what we're trained in school so um if you're able to remember and this might be just over the lifespan of having had childhood cancer and the years that followed, what would you say were some of your like mental health struggles? Do you remember mm-hmm. any of, the, of that? Yeah, no,
2: that's actually a great question. Um, and I think that for me, um, even, you know, post chemo post like were we were officially passed, we've moved, like we're, we're, we're supposed to be good. Right. Like mm-hmm. this fear that,
1: um, And it didn't really start until like, I was like seven, eight-ish of like, oh,
2: this is what cancer means. And like, oh, what if it comes back kind of thing, right? And so that kind of was always like in the back of my mind, I think. Um, And I think I really struggled with that, um, you know, my early years in high school, um, especially after like I had um, like a, a thyroid thing that occurred that they were like, oh no, this is this is cancer. This one, this, it wasn't. But that was their response. Um, probably because they were oncologists, and I don't think I shared that story. This was like at my um, like annual checkup is when they found this nodule, and so I think that's probably why the oncologists were like, yeah, this is for sure. Probably we see this all the time with people that have had your chemo, like was cancer, right? And so I think then that after that kind of happened it really put this fear of like oh god what if it does come back um and so just kind of navigating that um and and having different i would say different places where that comes up a little bit more um and different life factors where that's a little bit more of a fear and then it kind of dissipates
0: yeah So you are a doctor. Do you want to briefly explain your studies, credentials, and how you chose to go down that career path?
1: Yeah. Uh, So like I said earlier, um, I'll
2: backtrack actually, because it's kind of funny. (laughs) So I actually wanted to be a history teacher. So I got into college, got accepted as a history major education. Um, senior year of high school, wanted to be in the same lunch with my friends. So one of my friends was in a certain class. I was like, oh great, that's that's the class that determines what lunch you're in. So I'm gonna just also get in that class. It was psychology um, and I ended up loving it. Uh, so much so that I changed my major. Uh, like I, I knew before I even like went to college uh, that I was like, oh no, I need to change my major. Because I always wanted to know, like why why do people do what they do? And um I thought maybe history would help, but then there was psychology. And so from that moment, you know, i I knew then that I wanted to do something um, with families um, around illness. and I was searching um as I was getting ready to um, do, grad school applications and came across medical family therapy as I was looking at one of the schools I was interested in. And I was like, what is this? Um, and so happened, Susan McDaniel's last name is, well, obviously McDaniel. And that was my last name at the time, when main name. And so I was like, oh my gosh, what a godsend. Like, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so that is just kind of how I landed there. Um, you know, I read up on, obviously I read up on what medical family therapy was. I didn't just go based off of someone's last name, but I read on it and um, just was like, uh, this is it. Like, this is everything that I've thought about, uh, I think for a good chunk of my life. So
0: can you explain and like, layman's term here in the most brief way possible. Like what is medical family therapy? Because a lot of people aren't even familiar with that. I mean, we can kind of, you know, deduce what that would mean, but just how does that differ maybe from just like social work and whatnot? So yeah. It's a lot like,
2: um, what is it called? Medical social work, I think is what it's called. Um, where they're like, you know, doing more of this, the hands-on stuff with the patients and their like families the difference is, is that we take a biopsychosocial spiritual approach, right? Um, And we are applying that to the whole system, Um, not just the patient. Um, We are just, and when I say the system, I mean like the family system, but also the patient-doctor relationship, Um, the doctor, if there's a resident, like resident attending relationship. It's all of the relationships. And I think that's the biggest difference between medical, social work and um medical family therapies that we are really about all of the pieces because they all interconnect, right? Like how insurance dictates what we were supposed to do as providers, then impacts how we get to how much time we get to spend in the room with our patients, right? Which then impacts their quality of care. Um, and then that also kind of comes back up because their quality of care and how they're feeling about their provider impacts how the provider feels about the work that they're doing, right? And so that's, I think, big difference. Um, obviously, well, not obviously, but a big piece of it is sitting with the patients, right, and helping them process either acute or uh, chronic illness that they've, they've got or they've been diagnosed with recently. Um, there's just so many, like, stages where you can intervene. Um, mm-hmm. but really the goal is just making
1: sure that the mental health, the physical health, the whole person is taken care of
0: because I think it's interesting that you talk about, um, not all, you know, the biopsychosocial, but you also add the component of the spirituality because it, it's something that is so often overlooked. Yes. Um, and how that's all, how it just changes the way that people go through this experience. Absolutely. Um, When you were going through, like from your childhood till early college, um, did your parents ever put you into therapy?
1: They did when I was, uh, hmm, I'm trying to remember,
2: I think it was like eight or nine. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that was due to um, what was going on in like their relationship. And then also, um, there are a lot of like risk factors with certain chemos. And so I had been that same year, I had been tested to make sure that like, I was on like track, um, educationally,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
2: because they were concerned about like my level. Um, I was just bored basically, (laughs) but they were, they had concerns. They were like, oh, is this impacting, you know, is the chemo impacting her, um, ability
0: basically a neuropsych evaluation maybe that or yeah
2: I well that was separate that was like in school and then um afterwards I met with um a psychologist and I met with him for a while um who then said like I probably had like ADHD um
1: and maybe he was a psychiatrist now that I think about it well either way
0: yeah my kiddo had um a neuropsych evaluation, which yeah. I, it's interesting because that's not even a standard treatment of care. Like I've had people and other boards say, Hey, make sure you request this. And so it should be something that automatically, once you're done with chemo, that doctor, the oncologist should be typing in a referral into uh neurology or whatever psychology. I don't even know what exact department it goes to other than it's a neuropsych evaluation, which basically does this like baseline um, Mm. assessment of, like you said, is there ADHD, any deficits anywhere along the way, just kind of getting that baseline of how you function as a child. And then we're actually doing our two-year follow-up here this summer to see if there have been any cognitive declines or any changes, maybe even now an ADHD diagnosis or something, you know, like because when you do go through this treatment, it's not always an immediate effect, right? It's like a couple of years later, all the, um, the, the side effects and and whatnot start to really show up, especially if you've got like radiation that was anywhere into the head area. Um, Mm -hmm. it takes a while for that to come in and having that baseline right out of treatment, um, helps them have like, monitor and see if there's any changes and things that need to be addressed. And that way you can also, uh, ask for accommodations at school. And, um, you know, that's, that was the only reason why, like we did it right before he started kinder for my child, because I was like, I want to know what the baseline is and yeah. I need to know if any accommodations need to be made at this point And if, you know, we'll need to do that moving forward. So a neuropsych evaluation folks, if you've never heard of it put it on your to-do list as soon as treatment is over to yeah. request that from your oncologist. Um, nothing wrong with being proactive, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, So you did go to therapy, but not necessarily related mm-hmm. specifically to the childhood cancer. Um, when you were in grad school and Going through this, I know they make us go through therapy, at least Mm -hmm. as an LPC, and I'm sure they did for you as well. So, were there any like aha moments for you while you were going through the required, (laughs) the required therapy, you know, protocol?
2: For MFTs, a lot of programs don't require it. Mine didn't. Oh, Um, really? They highly (laughs) suggest it um, because you should know what it's like on the other side of the cap. But also, probably got some things to work through, right? And so, I I, I think the first semester, know, and then they they offered at Texas Women's University, they offered twelve free. They did at the time when I was there. They offered twelve free sessions uh, a year, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'll try it. Well, wow, I should have checked it a long time ago because I think I spent a good portion of. Um, my time yeah going through a lot of you know this childhood stuff that was just kind of there and i it was buried i think for me and i didn't process it and so then i was like oh maybe i maybe i shouldn't be working with childhood cancer right out the door um of course now lots of therapy later like that's i'm comfortable working with childhood cancer but i think for sure going into therapy testing the waters and realizing like, oh no, yeah,
1: I got to process some stuff before I can be present with this population. Um,
0: oh yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) definitely, um, it's one of those that I would consult with my previous supervisor, you know, so she's like still my mentor and I'm like, should I be working with this population? You know, um, like that fear of is it too close? Is it gonna yeah. trigger me? And how do I deal with that transference counter transference type stuff? And so, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've, like you said, maybe putting in a little bit of work allows you to like really authentically show up in a way um that's healthier for you and for the other person also, um, which is interesting because in this childhood cancer community, I mean, If you're, if you notice, you know, it's like when you're in it and as soon as you get out, these parents are like straight to work, right? Um, They get really involved in advocacy, but then they fizzle Mm -hmm. with that burnout, like mental burnout, you know? Oh,
1: absolutely.
2: Caregiver burnout is a real like serious concerning thing. Yeah. I could go on it. (laughs) I'll
0: Give me a quick tangent about it.
2: Well, we just, we know that like caregiver um, burnout increases their risk for, you know, heart disease and other illnesses, right? That's why sometimes you see like a caregiver get ill before the person that was having an illness gets ill, right? And so it, it increases cortisol levels. It's, it's, they tend not to take
1: care of themselves. It's a serious and important topic that I don't think we talk about enough.
0: Yeah, that could be a whole thing. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> episode on his own. <laughs> um, so now that you have gone through, you know, grad school kind of focusing in more on this medical, um, what do you call it? Medical family therapy, family therapy. Thank you. I was like, it's not medical trauma. It's medical family therapy. Um, how do you feel now as an adult being a childhood cancer survivor? Like where's your mental health now? And um yeah, how have you been able to cope through it? Yeah. Uh I think like with grad school
2: going to therapy, um, uh, I was in a really good place, um, mental health wise, until uh what like 2019, the end of 2019, um, mm-hmm. when I found out like I had some other health issues going on and it was you know it was just back to the oh my god like I can't just I can't just be normal right and so just that frustrating part uh for me was really difficult yeah. uh and I think um be more than likely because of the chemo that I had I had to go through IVF to have my kiddo um the medical diagnosis that I got at the end of 2019 was semi-related um Ended up having like a massive fibroid had to have that removed before I could even have my kid. But that's when they found out that like they're like, oh,
1: your your
2: levels are off. Like your follicle count is really low for your age," and that sent us into this whole like, "Oh snap, <laughs> um, yeah. you you probably need IVF." But I I did, uh, and so. That was a difficult journey, I think, and that just kind of brought up a lot of stuff. So, I feel like you know when you have cancer, it's just like it's like grief almost, right? Like because it comes yes. and it right? Yes, it's like you think you're good, everything, la la la, and you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop sometimes, and then something else will remind you of, it, and you're like, ah, oh, crap, right? Like you're not completely back where you were originally, but you you kind of sent back a little
0: bit, and it's yeah it's frustrating. Um, you're grieving new found losses, right? Like new discovered losses. And in that situation, the IVF, like being told, Hey, by the way, your body is, uh, struggling probably because of your cancer. It's just like, you know? Yeah. It's like, why didn't wait? Hey, why didn't anybody like
2: I remember asking too, because my science teacher had said something and I remember asking as a teenager, like, hey, do we, like, is there anything that we can look into about like fertility? Should I be concerned about it being like the oncologist? No, no, you're right, you're right. Right, it's like pediatric, I don't know, pediatric oncologists maybe aren't super comfortable, trained on how to have some of these conversations
1: with kiddos <laughs> as they get older. That's also a whole yeah. other topic I could talk about.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and it's so it's like this frustrating part of like, why is the system not designed to support people in all aspects of the yes. process, from you know, from the beginning, um, all the way through, and all the way through means like when I'm an adult, I should be I should be able to go to a specialized place that understands, you know, yep. that I had childhood cancer and what that impact is on my adult body, right? But we don't.
0: Yes, have there should be like multiple institutions specifically dedicated to that. I know like for me when my child when I had to sign the papers for my kiddo that was told as like one of the highest side effects for us mm-hmm. and I lost it. Like out of all of the different side effects that were like probable highly likely all that stuff the the fertility thing I and even to this day I'm like I'm going to get a little emotional on this like it's just a hard pill to swallow when you're like, I'm signing off on paperwork that is going to take something that's so beautiful and natural, you know, um, potentially away from my kid. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that's a, that's a tough one. And I know like there's things in place for older kids that get diagnosed at an older age, but at my kid's age, he's so young. They're like, well, it's a toss of the coin. Kind of like you, I mean, you were like two, three years old, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. let's flip the coin. It's either gonna. Yeah
1: work Maybe. or not.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. Well, uh, what do you wish others knew about the impact of cancer on you? Oh, on me. Mm-hmm. That's
1: a good question. Well, I mean, I feel like people that know me like know that it's like,
2: it drives a lot of my advocacy. It drives a lot of my passion behind what I do. Um, but, I don't know. I mean, I guess it it is hard, right? it is it's harder than it seems. It's like, okay, yeah, I might I might be healthy and appear healthy, but when these things kind of come up, it's really like it's like hard. It's frustrating. It's like you said, you're grieving the the new information of loss that you you lost it a long time ago. You didn't know it. and now you're yeah. like
1: what the heck?
2: <laughs> um, yeah so, I think that that part is hard. um but. It's also why
1: I'm like so passionate about the changes that medical and mental health need to take for cancer patients and child, specifically childhood cancer patients, especially as they move into adulthood.
0: So, on that note, what would you tell the younger
1: you? Um. and maybe Dory's just keep swimming situation right just just keep the the, the, I've always loved people right keep that love of people and um, oh it's okay that your spirituality is going to wax and wane like you will find yourself angry sometimes and that's okay I mean, that's a big piece that I struggled with. Um, so, yeah. I
0: love that. Yeah. Um, what words of wisdom do you feel that you could share with others that are in this journey? Whether it's the caregiver or the soon, mm-hmm. you know, the adult childhood cancer survivor, what words of wisdom could you share?
1: I mean, I think... The biggest piece is that it, it's hard and you're not gonna do everything perfectly and that's okay right you're doing the best that
2: you can with insurmountable like stressors that a lot of people
1: don't have to face um give yourself lots and lots of grace um you know just throughout the journey which is
2: lifelong right once it's in your mm-hmm. life you're you've grieved, you have to grieve what your life was and this is what your life is. Um, not that it, you know, won't have some sense of
1: normality, but it's a little different. And it's okay to be upset and it's okay to be happy at times and yeah, just lots of grace.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you're saying there will be grief that pops up quite a bit throughout time unexpectedly. Yeah. Well, at least that's been my experience. That's been my yeah. Experience. I think that's most people's experience. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Well, I just really appreciate your time and you sharing your story and your wisdom with all of us. And I just um, I can't wait to maybe have you back on so we could talk about that caregiver burnout because I know you're really passionate about that too. So, um, well, thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing your story and joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, thank you, audience. Uh, If you have any questions or would like to get in contact with Dr. Kristen Ross. She is a therapist in the state of Texas, licensed to practice in the state of Texas. Are there any other places that people can reach out to you to learn more about your services? Um, I'm always on psychology today. um, And um, Cardinal
2: uh, Counseling and Wellness Group, uh, PLLC is where I I
1: practice. And so you can Google that and take you to the website. Uh, But yeah, I also, am actually licensed
0: in Missouri. So, Oh, there you go. So, uh, thank you so much. And I will have you back another time. Thank you. Thanks. If you have found this podcast helpful or you just love the mission for family chemotherapy, please kindly rate this podcast. Also you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest for additional resources that I do share daily. Please tag and share your friends and other pediatric cancer families that you think would benefit from any of the content from family chemotherapy. Thank you. And I can't wait to share the next episode together. We can help heal the whole family.